You are Locked On Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to this Monday edition of the Locked On Rockies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host of the podcast, Ryan Latica, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Well, Locked On Rockies fans and Rockies fans out there tuning into the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, I have a uh, special treat for you today. Uh, Aram Layton, the host of the Locked On Marlins podcast, as well as the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast joins us here on locked on Rockies today to kind of break down the return on the Nolan Arenado trade arm how are you doing today good man thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to talking Rockies prospects uh, it seems like it might be the beginning of the rebuilding phase but I love when big trades go down and it gives me more to talk about and I'm looking forward to doing it yeah, absolutely. Um, so just over, so just to kind of break this down a little bit, because um, I haven't even uh, really done an episode yet where I've broken down the return for Nolan Arenado. Uh, obviously, Nolan was traded to St. Louis um, last Friday evening, um, and the Rockies got a total of five players in return. The, the deal was made official last week. Uh, Austin Gomber, who is a left-handed pitcher, he's a starter, and he, he, he's kind of split time as a starter and a reliever. Um, in the major leagues. Um, Tony Losey, a right-handed pitcher. Now, when I give these uh, prospect rankings, I'm going by uh, MLB.com, the MLB pipeline rankings. So Tony Losey, the number 19 overall prospect in the Cardinals organization. He's a right-handed pitcher, just only one year of professional baseball under his belt in 2019. The Rockies also got Elahiris Montero. Uh, He's the number eight overall prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals, the number three third base prospect in the Cardinals organization. They also got back uh, shortstop Mateo Gill, the number 22 overall prospect, and Jake Summers, uh, who was not ranked uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, according to MLB Pipeline. So uh, my first question for you, Aram, uh, is just kind of what's your overall opinion uh, and reaction to this trade? And do you kind of agree with the consensus opinion of how lopsided this deal really was for the Rockies? Um, and would you qualify it as uh, qualify it as a salary dump of sorts? Uh, you know, absolutely. It, it definitely was a salary dump. And look, when you look at the trade, of course, it's going to be hard to justify it when you're giving up Nolan Arenado. I will say, like each of these guys, especially Gomber and Losi and, and Montero, and we'll get into it. Like those are decent pieces. Gomber slots into the rotation. Losi has some upside as an arm and Montero probably has the most upside of any player in this package other than Gomber. Like at least you're getting a little bit better in what was a farm system that needed depth, but we're talking about one of the best baseball players in the entire league that you're trading here. And the money that went with him, it, it all is a little bit puzzling because essentially they paid money for this prospect you know, platter, I guess. And that amount of money that they kicked in, that just was surprising to me because if you held on to him this year, essentially, right, he's probably going to opt out after the season. So you don't get the return, but you probably save a 17, 18 million dollars. Is this prospect return worth 17, 18 million dollars? I don't know. I don't know if I would pay 17, 18 million dollars if each of these players were international free agents. And that's kind of the way I look at it, because that would be the difference between the 51 million subtracting his annual salary of, of this coming season 
And is it worth the black eye in terms of optics that the Rockies have been getting because of this deal? And then that press conference afterwards, like, like you mentioned, uh, that's where I don't know if this deal really made much sense. Yeah. You know, and the Rockies were, they, they, they kind of entered this trade already not really having a great farm system. Do you think that this will, you know, do anything to kind of bolster the rankings of the farm system? Because, um, you know, by, by all major publications, you know, baseball prospectus, uh, you know, MLB.com pipeline, um, you know, all these kind of major publications, um, you know, they have the Rockies farm system ranked pretty low 27th, 28th in baseball. So, I mean, do you think that this trade can do anything to kind of bolster that ranking? Or, I mean, is this just going to be kind of a wash for that? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great question. I'll say the draft definitely is going to do a lot more for their, for their prospects, you know, rankings in terms of where they're going to stack up against the rest of the league. I don't really think it'll change much in that regard because those rankings are very much driven by the top 10. But what I will say is it does give the Rocky system, a lot more depth and a little bit more upside with a guy like Montero, who again, you know, we'll, we'll get into, but I think Gomber too. So that guy's going to slot right into the rotation. At least I think so. And that's a piece that you needed some starting pitching depth. You needed that there, but overall it doesn't really make the system much better. And that's where it's really puzzling to me. Um, at that point, you might almost be better off, like I said, saving the however many million dollars and saving the black eye. But it does get marginally better here with the system. And there are some guys that could turn out to be valuable pieces if they progress. And I think that's what the Rockies were trying to do here was they weren't going to get as much upside if they went for a higher floor guy. So they went for the high variance prospects that might have a chance to you know exceed expectations but you know, that could be a good move or a really bad move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to talk a little bit about Austin Gomber in specific, um, uh, you know, Austin Gomber, left-handed pitcher, a 372 ERA in parts of two seasons with the Cardinals. Um, he appeared in 29 games in 2018, uh, where he posted a 444 ERA um, in 11 starts. He pitched 75 innings that season. And then in 2020, he missed the 2019 season due to injury issues, uh, but in 2020, uh, appeared in 14 games, contributed 29 innings. Uh, the ERA was pretty, uh, pretty sparkling at 186. Um, and, you know, just uh, a little bit of a, uh, a quick search on fan graphs. He has an above average career left on base percentage. Uh, fan graphs notes that 80 is excellent. Above average is 75. Uh, 60 is awful. Um, according to that table, uh, Austin Gomber sits at right about 75 and a half percent for his major league career. He does have a below average ground ball rate at 40%, though. Uh, Fangraphs notes that the league average is about 44%. Um, but I mean, honestly, you know, Austin Gomber is slotting right into the rotation, considering the Rockies' options for that fifth rotation spot, you know, with like Chichi Gonzalez um, comes to mind. I mean, you know, I would probably rather have Gomber in there. Um, but you know, just to, you know, as, as you kind of segued into it, um, Aram, uh, how many of the four prospects do you think, um, have a real shot at being an impact at the major league level? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say Montero has, has a, a good shot to at least be, you know, more of an upside player compared you know, relative to the other players. Losi, in terms of his tools, if, if it all works out for him, he has a chance to have some upside there. Summers was kind of a throw in because he's a sinker baller guy that he gets a lot of ground balls. And I think the Rockies are hoping they can develop him and Mateo Gill. There's just not much on him. He was a third round pick in 2018. He has 
the bloodlines. His father, Benji Gill, was a longtime outfielder with the Rangers and the Angels, and he's very good defensively. He just has not quite put it together at the plate with consistency. And he even played for his father's team in the uh, Mexican league and struggled a little bit this year. But I could, I would argue that Gil has a little bit of variance to him in a good way, meaning that you're not looking at him and saying, ah, you know, he's a role player at best. Like he, he, there's a chance he could put it together, but I would say Montero is far and away the highest upside prospect in this deal. He has plus raw power, a quick bat. He signed for $300,000 in international free agency. And it seemed to be a good pickup for the Cardinals. He's 6'3", 215, has the big body. And he was really, really good in, in A-ball, where he had a huge year. He hit 322 with a 381 on base, hit 15 home runs, 69 driven in, and the walk and strikeout rates were really solid. And that was because he has great hand-eye coordination, quick bat, and he's able to just spoil tough pitches. He even held his own as, as like a 19, 20-year-old in the Florida State League, which People talk about how the West Coast and the PCL is like a launch pad for baseballs. Florida State League is a graveyard for hitters where the ball just does not carry. And it always seems to just have a lot of good pitchers in that league. And he was great in, as a young player in that league. Hit 286, a 110 WRC plus, 100 would be average. So he's 10% above average, several years younger than the competition and one of the hardest leagues to hit in. He had a lot of momentum at that point. When people were talking about him as maybe a top five prospect in the Cardinal system, maybe even with a good year that coming season being a top 100 prospect, but then he really hit a wall in double A. The Cardinals were ultra aggressive with him to put a 20 year old in double A. And I think that was part of the struggles. He hit just 188, but also he had a wrist injury and broke his hamate bone. So those are two of the worst injuries you can have for a hitter, especially a hitter like him that is, has such a quick bat and likes to throw his hands at the ball and spoil tough pitches that really hampers a player. So I think Montero is going to bounce back in a big way this year. He got his feet wet at double A. Yes, he struggled, but I'm, I'm going to attribute a lot of that to that those nagging injuries, which are some of the worst things uh, a hitter can face, especially a young hitter that's already being pushed a little aggressively into double A. I think Montero actually has a chance to be an impact player and couldn't play his way into the top eight prospects in the, in the Rocky system. Well, that's certainly encouraging to hear. Yeah, Elihuris Montero. Um, he, yeah, in 2019, you mentioned the struggles. He had a 30% strikeout rate, a 19.3% whiff rate. So, I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't making a whole lot of contact, um, in double a, but yeah, as you mentioned the, the broken hammock bone, he was sidelined for two months during the 2019 season. Um, and you know, I was, I was kind of, you know, in my, in my research of these guys, I was looking at the, the scouting reports on MLB pipeline. Um, and one of the things that I noticed for Eli Harris Montero, um, they added in there that some uh, some scouts expect him to outgrow third base, actually, due to um, what they called his physical projection um, and his speed, range, and footwork. Um, they called the they called those three characteristics. They were all kind of fringy for Montero, um, and so I was kind of just wondering on your take um, on Montero. Do you think that it could be kind of like a Nolan Arenado situation, where I mean, you know, nobody was super high on Arenado in the minor leagues at third base. Um, but I mean, he, you know, he obviously proved everybody wrong and, you know, he's one of the best third basemen in baseball. Do you think that this could be kind of a, a similar situation, not necessarily, you know, saying that Montero is going to be anywhere near the quality of Nolan Arenado, but just in the respect of, you know, being able to prove those people wrong and kind of, you know, growing into his own at third base. No, that's a great question because one of the biggest pet peeves I have in, in the industry of, of just scouting and, and just prospects, projections, and all those write-ups is I think we tend to put ceilings on players that are too young way too early, right? Like this guy is 
hardly 21 years old now. We haven't seen him play in the field now in a while. And to say this 21-year-old can't get his footwork going, I know he's, he might put on some more weight because he's just filling out and has such a big frame, but to, to put a ceiling on, on somebody that young that could potentially get his feet going, he's got a good arm. I don't look at that guy and say he's doomed. I mean, there's some there's some guys that I see him at third base and you can kind of figure out he's got lead feet and he's just not going to be able to, to play third base. I don't see that in Montero. I mean, if, if there's a gun to my head, am I going to say he he's more likely to not be a plus defender, I'd probably say that, but I'm not going to say that it's impossible for him to at least get to the point where he's an average to above average defender. I think to, to relegate him this early is, is a, a little bit too premature. I see athleticism in him and I see a good arm. I think he could easily be an average third baseman, but the good news is if he isn't, if he doesn't stick to third, I think that he has more than enough power and an offensive profile to play first base, and maybe, just maybe, he could play a corner outfield spot. He moves well enough. I would say, though, to directly answer your question, that I think he has got a shot to be an average third baseman. And I'm going to watch closely this coming year because that's one of the big things I wanted to see with Montero. But I, I'm definitely not going to rule that out just yet. Absolutely. And that's that's certainly um, encouraging for Rockies fans to hear. You know, obviously, I'm sure that you've noticed that first base has been kind of a black hole for the Rockies ever since Todd Helton really retired. Uh, and so, you know, with guys like uh, Michael Toglia in these in the system, you know, and, and if um, if Montero can can slide over to, to first base, you know, on some off days, you know, that would obviously be really great again. Um, do you do you foresee that Montero will start the season at double A again in the Rockies organization or where do you where do you kind of foresee him starting the season? Yeah, I see Montero starting in double A that that would make the most sense to me. I think he, and that's why I think he's going to have a big bounce back 59 games where he struggled there. Again, I attribute a lot of that to his injuries because the type of hitter that he is, those injuries sap guys like that even more. So he's going to start in double A and with the, with the ball carrying a little bit better in the West coast, I think he's going to get off to a hot start. I think he's going to run into some baseballs and he, he needed to get more into the habit of, of driving the ball in the air. I think that there's no better place to get in the habit of backspinning baseballs and hitting them in the air than somewhere like Colorado, or I can't even remember now where all the affiliates are because everything's shuffled around so much, right, yeah. but I'm sure the ball is going to carry more out there than it did in the Florida state league. So just being in an environment where the ball is going to carry more and you know, where you know that you can get away with hitting the ball in the air more in today's game. I think that's going to translate well for him. And I'm not going to put too much stock into that high K rate because he kept the K rate in check all the time leading up to that. And the one thing I will note is the biggest jump in my opinion, in terms of competition, I think there's a bigger jump from a ball to the Florida state league, which is high a, than there is from high a to double a, at least in what was the Florida state league before. I think you saw the biggest learning curve from a ball to high a, not as much from high a to double a, but of course there's still a learning curve there as well. But if he was going to hit that much of a wall going from 322 to 188, he would have hit that wall in, in high a. So I, I think that was definitely part of the reason why I wasn't as worried is that he, he did look good in a small sample size in the Florida state league. The one other thing I wanted to note though on Gomber before we, we moved on potentially to somebody else is that I think Gomber can be a really good back end uh, starter for, for this ball club because he has adjusted his, his arsenal a little bit and it bodes well for, I think how he's going to pitch in course field now, because he was initially a cutter guy uh, as his third pitch, he's got great command of the fastball and has shown a good feel for his secondary pitches. But 
during COVID, he adjusted the grip and started to throw more of a slider. And in turn, that was allowing him to, to get more ground balls because it was breaking more. The cutter had an average launch angle of 12 degrees, which is obviously more upward. The slider has now an average launch angle of six degrees in 2020. So it was breaking more and more hitters were rolling over on it. His ground ball rate jumped by 9%. So I think that's a really good sign. And he also saw a bump in velocity to 92 to 94 and was generating more spin because he worked with the Cardinals analytics department. I, I think he could be a really good three or four pitcher if he continues on this trajectory. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there as another little positive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked about spin rate before on this, uh, on my podcast as well, you know, talking about guys like Antonio Sensatella and Kyle Freeland, you don't necessarily have the big swing and miss stuff. They're not huge strikeout guys, uh, but they, they, they really do utilize that great command and great spin rate to, to see the success, especially for Antonio Sensatella, the, the, the career year that he had for the Rockies in 2020, you know, obviously Rockies fans are hoping to see that again from Sensatella. I'll have more of my conversation with Aram coming up in just a couple of minutes, but first I want to tell you a little bit about the Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar available, and there are 18 amazing flavors out there, including Caramel Brownie, Cherry Barcia, Apple Almond Crisp, and so much more, so you can be sure to find the best one for you. They even have a cookies and cream bar for you cookie lovers out there. It only has 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. You'll also get a free cooler with any purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And with the NHL and NBA regular season in full swing, there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, BetOnline.ag. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON and and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Welcome back to this Monday, February 8th edition of the Locked On Rockies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host of the podcast, Ryan Latica, and today we are talking the return for Nolan Arenado with Aram Layton. So I will throw you right back to that conversation. But I, I just had one more question on um, on Montero before I moved on to some of the other guys. Um, obviously, you know, MLB.com ranks him as the third best third base prospect the Cardinals had in the organization, um, you know, for Rockies fans are certainly hoping to see guys like, you know, maybe guys like Nolan Gorman or Jordan Walker in this trade. Um, obviously, neither one of them were included in the deal. Um, are there any positives that you can point to um, that, you know, someone like um, Ella Harris Montero has that, you know, maybe Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker don't? Well, you know, Gorman, I I think Gorman, of course, if you could get him instead, you'd be very happy. And that's that's a high upside player as well. But Gorman does have some issues with his swing as well. And and I have some questions in my reservations on Gorman as a prospect. I'd done a, a podcast on the top five third base prospects of baseball. And right now, third base is really thin in general across the minor leagues. And, you know, I'm not super high on Gorman. I think he's got some, some issues with his swing. If he works it out, he's got crazy raw power. 
what I would say that Montero has over Jordan Walker and Gorman, those guys have ridiculous upside in terms of raw power. I'm talking about 30, 35 home run upside, but neither of them have showed that they can hit enough to reach that power. I think Montero, again, we're not saying Montero compares to these guys. He's just not quite on that level in terms of just natural gift. But I would say Montero has shown that he has a better feel to hit so far. Could, could they, the other two leapfrog him eventually? Maybe. I mean, they've got crazy upside, but I would say Montero has already shown that he can hit in the Florida state league. He's already, you know, played his way up as a young player uh, to double a, albeit he struggled there, but you know, we don't know enough about Gorman's ability to hit consistently. I was, I was not very uh, happy, I guess, with what, I saw from him after struggling coming back the, the, the next year with the same issues with his swing weight shifting too early to the front side, not just not going to be able to hit at the higher levels with, with that approach. Maybe it'll be different this year. And Walker has the potential to be a stud as well, but we don't even know, you know, what kind of hitter he can be yet. So what the one thing I would say he has going for him is just his ridiculous bat to ball skills that I think will help him play up and give him a little bit higher of a floor than some may think. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Um, and so now I kind of want to switch gears here and talk about Tony Losey a little bit. Um, Tony, I mean, he, he appears to be uh, pretty promising uh, with regards to his velocity. Um, you know, according to the MLB.com scouting report, um, you know, he has a mid nineties fastball. It could touch, uh, you know, up into the upper, upper nineties um, as well as, you know, maybe the, even the low triple digits, if he's uh, working in shorter stints out of the back end of the bullpen. Um, do you think he'll be able to rely more on the fastball um, if his slider and other off-speed pitches don't play well at altitude? And kind of what do you just think of the overall outlook for Tony Losi? Well, the fastball, and we talk about spin rates, the interesting thing about Losi is he doesn't get crazy spin rates on the fastball, but weirdly, all the video I watch on him, the ball really explodes out of his hand. And that seems to be the scouting report in general is that he just gets this explosion out of his hand and the ball looks like it's coming in even harder than it does even though he does throw gas, it looks like it's triple digits, even when he's 94, 96. I think that with Losi, the big question is the command that, that has been the issue for him throughout his collegiate career. And a cool little story background on him is actually, he, he helped his team in high school win a state title with uh, DL Hall, who's one of the top prospects with the Orioles and Jake Fromm, a former Georgia quarterback, who's you know now with the Buffalo bills. So that was a pretty loaded high school team. And, he has that pedigree of just being able to have that swing and miss stuff in college. The command became an issue. And then when Emerson Hancock went down, uh, which was Losey's junior year, Losey was the Sunday guy. He gets moved to Friday, which is of course in college, that's where you put your aces Friday night. And he was great. He went 11 and two and 15 starts pitched to a two, five, three ERA, but he got away with a lot of walks, 89 innings. He walked 45, he got away with it. Cause he was able to strike out 97. Will he be able to dance out of those jams be, because he can escape with the fastball at the higher levels? No. So that's the question. And I think with the slider, he really needs that slider to play up because it looks like those are his only two pitches right now. It's a fastball slider combination. The slider is a plus pitch if he can command it. Problem is he can't command it right now. If he has that fastball slider mix, he could be a high leverage reliever. If he can find a third pitch and, and command, I'm not going to relegate him to the bullpen just yet. He's got a projectable frame. He's 6'3", 240. He was a third-round pick for a reason. But I think right now he has to have that slider going to be a back-end reliever. And if he wants to be a starter, he's going to have to find a third pitch and improve that command. But what I will say is you can get excited about the tools he has, the natural gifts he has. 
And I think worst case scenario, this guy figures it out in the bullpen and could be a really solid back end closer type with that two pitch combination. But I'm sure the Rockies are hoping to develop him into a starter. But that being said, the Rockies have not been great with uh, developing pitchers in recent history. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you could point to, you could point to Kyle Freeland as one success story that the Rockies have had with, with regards to developing pitchers, but yeah, I mean, so far the, the Rockies farm system, as we mentioned earlier on the podcast is, is kind of a mess right now. Um, just to give a little bit of background on Tony Losey, um, obviously 2019 season was his first year professional baseball um, in 2019. He pitched with the, with the uh, Gulf, Gulf coast league Cardinals and the Peoria chiefs, which um, is rookie ball, uh, rookie level ball and full season a respectively. Um, he posted a 529 ERA in 12 games. He didn't start any of those games, struck out 31 in 17 innings, um, gave up uh, 259 opposing batting average. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, the, the fastball and the slider really is prime his primary two pitches right now. I was able to see on the scouting report. Um, they, they said that he's working on a curveball right now, but it's, it's a work in progress right now. So not really much to report there. Um, but so, yeah, so that's kind of Tony Losey. Um, and I kind of want to move on to, uh, to, uh, gosh, dang it. Uh, Mateo Gill. Sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm like even still learning these guys, uh, Mateo Gill, um, who actually, um, I was listening to, um, another Rockies podcast, the DNVR Rockies podcast. Um, they had the Rockies play-by-play guy, Drew Goodman on the, on the podcast. And, uh, Drew Goodman actually noted that the Rockies in 2018, I believe it was when Mateo Gill was drafted. Um, the Rockies were, they really wanted to take Gill, um, but the Cardinals were, were one slot ahead of the Rockies and they snagged him right before the Rockies were able to take him. So this is really kind of a story of, you know, the Rockies are finally able to get their guy that they had eyes on in 2018. Um, but for Mateo Gill, um, MLB.com really kind of reports him as being a pretty good shortstop. Um, just kind of what do you like the most about Mateo Gill and what are some of the areas for concern there? Well, with Gill, you see the uh, the bloodlines, right, of somebody that was raised by a big leaguer where he just has those natural actions defensively. He's so smooth on the left side of the infield. Whether he plays shortstop or third, he can do both. Uh, obviously, if he, if he can play shortstop, there's more value there. I think he's so smooth defensively that that gives him a higher floor. There is above average raw power in there, too. And he's a good athlete that if he can hit consistently enough, he could be a pretty well-rounded player. He surprised with some pop in those 51 rookie league games where he hit seven home runs and hit 270, but he's overly aggressive. So we need to see him, you know, calm it down a little bit. I mentioned the struggles in the Mexican league, but that's playing against some older guys that can throw three pitches for a strike, even if the quality of stuff isn't quite as good as what he may see through the upper levels of the minor leagues. But I think with Gil, he's just going to be the question is, can he hit consistently enough? The glove is going to play up and be above average and the power is, is good enough, uh, especially if he makes it to the big leagues and course field. He's got 15 to 20 to 25, maybe, if he really gets into it, home run power. It's just, can he hit enough to reach it? But I think the, the high floor with the glove definitely takes some pressure off of you know, the bat, but he does need to at least hit decent enough to be able to climb through the minor leagues, of course. Absolutely. Um, and then finally for Jake Summers, um, he was not ranked on the MLB.com top, you know, top 30 prospects in the Cardinals organization. As you mentioned, he was just kind of a throw in um, in the in the trade, uh, so to speak. Um, but kind of, you know, what is your opinion on Jake Summers and uh, what is kind of your, your overall outlook for him? He's a unique prospect here because there's not much on him, but his background was he was a reliever for two years at Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And then they tried him as a starter his junior year, and it it went pretty badly. Then his senior year, they move him back to the bullpen, and he was really good. So I don't know what 
the long-term plan is because his stuff screams starter, meaning that he's more of a low nineties with sync type of guy. And I think that's what interested the Rockies. Ultimately, that's going to probably be where you're hoping to salvage a back end of the rotation ground ball type of pitcher that has become somewhat of a dinosaur in, in today's game, but not to say that that's not a valuable type of piece to have, especially in Colorado in rookie ball. He kind of showed what you would want to see if he can continue to do this through the higher levels. He struck out 55 and 51 innings, but he pitched to a 52% ground ball rate with that low nineties sink and locating it. Well, if he can do that, and at least get two, two other average pitches. I just haven't seen him enough to know what those secondary pitches look like. You could get a back-end starter if everything works out here. If you can get a back-end ground ball guy, that's a good type of depth piece to have for the Rockies. And I think that's what they're hoping to get here as a throw-in to just try to potentially salvage something else with the last piece in this deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jake Summers, um, you know, he only has the 2019 season under his belt as far as pro seasons go. Um, he appeared in 12 games. He made 10 starts um, in the Appalachian League with Johnson City Cardinals. Um, you know, he contributed 51 and two-thirds, uh, two-thirds innings, four, 418 ERA. He allowed 27 runs, 24 of them were earned. He struck out 55 against just 19 walks and gave up a 256 batting average against um, and he was a Cardinals 10th round draft pick in 2019. So, yeah. So again, maybe just a, a little bit of a throw in piece uh, for the Rockies in that regard. Um, but just overall, you know, who would you say is the most promising prospect in this trade? I think it's got to be Montero from what he's shown and his, the, the pure tools he has. I think that could be the guy that salvages this trade here and really can give them the best chance to be a high upside guy. I'd say Gil is, is not too far behind, but the offensive profile of Montero, from what I've seen from him, he, he has a little bit of a track record there. If he can prove that double A was largely due to his injuries, then he might be a piece. Absolutely. Um, and just kind of overall, um, there was actually, this actually just came through earlier today. Um, there was a story written by Jim Bowden in The Athletic um, where he it, it's entitled uh, grading the Nolan Arnauto trade for the Cardinals and the Rockies. So obviously he gave the St. Louis Cardinals an A, you know, being able to pull off this, you know, what some people have called it an, an absolute heist of a trade. Um, but he gave the Rockies um, a D, uh, a grade of a D um, in this trade. And so I just kind of wanted to get your opinion. Do you think that that's about accurate? Is that what is that what you would pretty much grade this trade for the Rockies? Yeah, I, I would just because of the fact that they also kicked in money. That's, that was what was shocking to me is that if you're doing the salary dump here and when, when I saw they were kicking in money first, I thought, oh man, they're going to get you know a major, major prospect potentially in return. So I think when you're kicking in the money and kind of going back to what we opened with, where if you had Arenado for another year, paid him the 33, 35 million, and then he opts out, you save the 15, $16 million, that probably would make more sense financially. That's what was kind of puzzling to me. So they essentially paid $16 million for this prospect platter here. That's where I just don't totally understand it. Giving it a D doesn't mean that everybody in this trade isn't going to, or that everybody's going to be bad, right? It just means that relative to what was given up, it just doesn't make sense. And that's why I would give it a D, but I do think that they could still salvage some pieces out of this deal and still get something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the, the $50 million that the Rockies are literally paying the St. Louis Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado. I mean, that's more than the Rockies have spent on any major league free agent since I believe Wade Davis, like four years ago when that happened. Um, I mean, they haven't signed a major league free agent in, in two years. And the last one they signed was Daniel Murphy, who turned out to be a pretty, 
pretty big disaster at the major league level for the Rockies. Um, but I mean, you know, now I kind of want to switch, switch gears a little bit here. You mentioned um, that you, that you may have, uh, you may be able to end this episode on a positive note. I'm um, talking about uh, guys like Ryan Rollison, and perhaps um, who, you know, what, uh, what kind of, you know, positives um, do you see in the Rockies organization, uh, you know, with regards to their minor leagues so far? Yeah. Rollison has really impressed me. And you look at the numbers at first and you're thinking, okay, he's not really performed quite to what some may have thought initially, but I, the more I see, the more I expect him to have a really good year this year. His, his stuff is good. He's got a, a to me, a plus fastball and a plus curveball, and the changeup is above average and flashes plus. So you got three plus pitches and the fringy command is the question. And I think that's big reason why he runs into trouble is he doesn't get to go to that curveball and change up as much because he's falling behind in counts. And that's where I think he gave up 22 home runs largely because I think he had to try to battle back from behind in the count. Now this coming year, if the command's improved, he's pitching ahead. I think this is a guy that could be very good. A left-handed pitcher talking about Kyle Freeland. He's got better stuff than Freeland. The curveball is great. The changeup, I think, is going to be a really good pitch because of that unique arm action that he has, and the fastball plays up as well. I expect Rollison to be a solid, solid number three with a chance to be a number two. His stuff's pretty electric for a left-hander. We'll see how it plays up in in you know the the altitude, but I think the way that he pitches will play pretty well there, and, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm, I'm high on him, and that curveball is is really tough with a lot of bite. And it just breaks out of the zone. And that's why I think he can kind of defy some of the issues that come with the altitude. And there, it, it's a hard curveball, like 80 to 84, almost like a slider. And I, I like that pitch a lot. And again, it, it should play up better in, in that altitude where a lot of pitchers struggle. And I wouldn't even rule out a, him being a number two starter if he continues to improve that command, which seems to be the, the biggest question there. As for Zach Veen, all of the hype, I think around him is totally warranted. Everything I've seen from this kid is incredible. He's 6'4", 190, so he has more room to fill out. Right now, he's a plus runner, which is crazy. And even if he fills out more and slows down, he's going to be an above-average runner, and that's to go with 70-grade raw power. I would give him 70-grade raw power with the bat speed that he generates, the natural backspin he gets on balls. He could legitimately be a 30- to 35-home-run guy, no problem. And that's why I think he's going to hit enough to get to it, too. I see a plus hit tool as well. He was the best high school bat in the entire draft. I think he was more polished than some college bats that went pretty early. This guy could be the next superstar for the Rockies and really expedite what is a weird and difficult time for their farm system and give some hope. And I think Zach Veen could be that guy. And for a high school type of hitter where you're like, okay, but when are we going to see him? It might be a few years, but relative to most high school hitters, I think he's going to climb pretty quickly. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome to hear. I'm um, going back to Ryan Rollison though, uh, just for uh, a brief moment, there have been reports that Rollison is, uh, is really pretty close to cracking the major league roster for the Rockies. What would you give as, as your kind of estimated time of arrival for Rollison in the big leagues? Yeah, I think it can happen this year, d- depending on what the reports were and they were pretty positive from, from what they saw in, at the alternate training site. What is he going to look like in spring training? I think that's going to have a huge indication on what where, what he's going to do but I want to see him at least for a couple months make a handful of starts in double a triple a just to see how he's going and then I think he could be up by by the middle of the year if he is continuing with the command like we expect the reason why people are are saying he can be quicker 
to climb up is because he already has those three major league pitches. That's all you really need as a starter, three major league caliber pitches that are potentially plus pitches. You could be one hell of a starter. The question, like I said, is the command. And that's going to be the one thing that dictates whether he makes it up this year. But if he shows that he's improved the command and especially the East West command, meaning commanding both sides of the plate, if he can improve on that, especially with the heater, then I think he could be up mid middle of the season. No problem. Absolutely. Well, that, you know, that's all really awesome. We appreciate your, your insight into all these guys. Um, this is Aram Layton, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, he knows what he's talking about. Before I let you go, Aram, um, I do want to give you a chance to uh, let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and your two podcasts. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. And it's Aram Layton eight on Twitter and at L O underscore MLB prospects. I'll be going through all the farm systems and I've already about halfway through the major league. So haven't done the Rockies yet. So in the coming weeks, I'll do a full farm system breakdown of the Rockies as well. So you can keep an eye out for that on all the same places that you listen to locked on Rockies. And you also host the locked on Marlins podcast. Is that correct as well? Yes. So I know what it's like to have a bad farm system and be caught in a weird spot and trade a superstar player for a limited return and a salary dump. I've been there before. It does get better. You just got to hope for some good drafting and uh, player development. So we'll see how that goes, but I definitely know the pain. Absolutely. Uh, where can they find locked on Marlins as well? Um, exactly what it sounds like on Twitter, locked on at locked on Marlins. And uh, you can find it on the podcast as well. Uh, definitely. If you want to hear what it's like to go through that rebuild, uh, I've been going through that with my listeners on the Marlins podcast as well. And it looks like the Marlins might be making it out to the other side now. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, make sure you hit up Aram with, uh, with, with uh, some listens as well to his two podcasts, but Aram, thank you very much uh, for the time. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on and talking, talking a little bit of Rockies with us. Anytime, man. And uh, hopefully we can circle back again when Zach Fien has uh, 15 home runs at the all-star break. Oh yeah. That, that sounds, that sounds real good. Excellent. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it, a full and complete breakdown on the return for Nolan Arenado, thanks to the insight of Aram Layton. That guy really knows what he's talking about. I hope you enjoyed listening in and hearing what he had to say about uh, all the prospects that the Rockies got back. Uh, but before I let you go, I do want to tell you a little bit about the new show that the Locked On Podcast Network has launched, Locked On Today. We're covering everything you need to know about the Rockies, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So that'll just about do it for this edition of the Locked On Rockies podcast. Uh, be sure to tune in later this week for more Rockies news and analysis. Again, you can find the Locked on Rockies podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can get in touch with the show on Twitter at LO Rockies. And you can also follow my personal Twitter account at Ryan Latica as well. Take care, guys. Hey.